Welcome to the At The Moment podcast, where we talk about what's going on at this moment with the black community here at OU. What's up, y'all? I'm Joy. I'm Adam. This week, we have some really special guests with us from the Association of Multicultural Sports Professionals, and I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves. Thank you, Joy, for having us. Uh, first off, um, I'm Femi Amafidon. Uh, I'm a membership coordinator for MSP. Uh, my major is sports management, and I have a minor in marketing. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Joy. Um, <clears throat> my name is Keyshawn Lanier. I am a business pre-law and sport management major with a minor in finance. Uh, I'm the vice president for the Association of Multicultural Sports Professionals. <clears throat> uh, thank you, Joy and Adam. Uh, my name is Dad Guy, and I am a member of the Sigma Psi chapter of the Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated. You're so annoying. <laughs> thank you. Sports play an integral role in our society, whether it's playing on a team, being a fan of the game, or pursuing a career in the sports industry with such a national passion for the sports industry. It can often be extremely difficult to get opportunities to build your career without help, especially for people of color. All right, let's get into it. How y'all doing today? Good. I'm doing good. Good. How y'all week been so far? Anything exciting? Like We got fest season coming up. I mean, Woo! Yeah, facts. Uh, I found out I got uh, a scholarship through the College of Business. Today. Period. Yeah. Period. Scholars. Period. Okay. You know, okay. So, um, thanks for joining us today. We're so excited about this episode. We love a good collab. Um, but yeah, so let's just get into it. So first, starting off um, with career in sports. Have any of y'all had like internships? How has that gone for y'all like within sports? Yeah, so I'll kind of kick it off. I had an internship with a nonprofit organization called Sports Biz Camps. Uh, I was a camp coordinator for a camp that they hosted in Cleveland, Ohio. That was for uh, high schoolers and first-year college students. We did a lot of different things, like hosted panels and uh, roundtable discussions, went to a lot of the different uh, venues and organizations around Cleveland, the Browns, the Guardians, uh, the Cavaliers, uh, uh, just all of the different... um, organizations around Cleveland, and yeah. Anybody else? No? What, like, did y'all, have y'all found, like, within, even, um, I guess, like, for non-sports majors, have y'all found any, like, difficulty, like, trying to find internships, and, like, how have you kind of gone about that? And I think, Keyshawn, you can kind of talk about, like, the difficulties, like, within your internship as well. I was just going to say, uh, as pursuing, like, sports internships, I think uh, it's just really competitive. So, like, at this stage of still being uh, an underclassman, if you want to call it as, a, like, a rising junior, it is really competitive at this stage. So just trying to apply to stuff and, like, hoping something sticks. Yeah. I think for me, also, one of the things that I found is that, and I think, Adam, you can kind of speak to this, too, is that sports journalism is, like, a very specific type of internship and so it's like a very select few of them out there that are like quality and that you're going to come out of it with something that also are paid because I'm not getting an internship and I'm not paying because I'm not working for free so um I think like that's something that I've ran into is like just trying to find something that's like quality but also like I'm getting I know that I'm getting something out of it yeah 
Yeah, it's definitely kind of hard to find an internship through the school or um, through different ways. Uh, I kind of was lucky to get my internship. It was uh, through the CEO of the company. He kind of reached out to me and I asked, like, hey, like, would you be in Cleveland this summer? Would you want to, like, work for me and do an internship for me? Like, it'll be paid. And I was like, yeah. But when I look around, like, at my like my colleagues, they kind of had, like, a more difficult approach when trying to look for internships. They had a ton of different uh, interviews that they had to go through. And some of the internships that they applied for, they didn't even get. So it was like going to th- two, three, four interviews and, you know, going through that whole process just to say, like, yeah, we're not going to accept you for an internship. It kind of, like, discouraged them when it, come, when it came down to, like, looking for jobs and stuff. So, yeah. No way, yeah. Y'all gotta loosen up, man. I apologize. It's my first time out here. I'm kind of shy. <laughs> but uh, I'm not a sports major, though. I'm an integrated healthcare major. I would definitely say it's kind of hard, like, getting an internship, but I was blessed enough to uh, join a fraternity. I oh, mean, there's a lot of uh, members of my fraternity that are doctors or, like, uh, healthcare administration. So that's just, like, the field I was going into. And uh, I was luckily to host an event on campus called. Um, what it was called oh my god men of black excellence and uh we had like a panel of just like high valued men and a doctor came across and he kind of just took me under his wing so with that it's definitely been like an easier process uh so i'm kind of just thankful and grateful for that so yeah yeah i do think um mentorship and also i know a lot of the opportunities that i have found to even just work like in journalism just period have been like because of like me just finding people that also, one, look like me because I feel like they know that, like, there isn't, like, adequate representation with us, like, especially, like, journalism and sports journalism itself. And so just, like, having somebody to, like, take me under their wing and, you know, kind of just, like, order my not order my stuff because that's God's job, but, you know, like, just, like, guide me through, like, the way. So I think that that definitely has helped me. I think another thing also that I found myself doing more because I found people of color within the role is like finding like university help. Um, back in, what was that, February, um, me, Keyshawn, and Femi actually got the opportunity to go to Detroit, Michigan um, and actually talk to some companies out there. Um, we got to go to a Detroit Pistons game. Um, we talked to Rocket Mortgage, who owns. Um, Rocket Morgan Fieldhouse in uh, Cleveland. But I think, like, those are, like, the kind of opportunities that we need. And I think also one of the things, I don't know, Keyshawn and Femi, y'all can, like, talk to it, like, individually. But one of the things that kind of drew me to that trip was the fact that it was surrounded around black history. Like, the reason that we were taking that trip was because Detroit is, like, a mecca for African Americans. And so being able to go to a city that is so rich in our history and so rich in our culture and having somebody to advocate for us to have those type of trips from the university. Shout out Dr. Morrow. Um, so I feel like having those type of resources is like really important for being a student of color here at OU. Definitely, definitely, definitely shout out to Dr. Morrow. Uh, <clears throat> for me, I've never experienced a trip like that, especially a free trip at that here at this uh, on campus. So oh, wow. that was a blessing in disguise right there. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a lot of fun. Uh, I know Femi, I think he, we both have fun. Yeah. I know going to all the different museums and uh, talking with uh, people like from Detroit Lions and Detroit Pistons, 
Uh, we even ended up having uh, Terrence Thomas from the Detroit Lions come and talk to our organization a couple weeks later. So even though that was a kind of a quick turnaround, uh, just building those new connections on a free opportunity was just, I mean, like I said, it was really a blessing. Emphasis on free. We yeah. had to pay nothing. No, we got down, no food, nothing. Everything anything, paid for. Anything, anything <laughs> you want, you can get it. Believe that. But yeah, like Keyshawn said, and Joy said, um, just a wonderful trip overall. Um, especially great at networking, and it would definitely benefit you uh, if they have that trip again. So definitely consider that. Yeah, I think just always using like the university resources that we have uh, is really important because a lot of times people like don't look into that stuff. I know I was talking to Dan and like I talked to you about my spring break trip and just so many other things that I know like Scripps offers like the DC program mm-hmm. and like the LA program mm-hmm. um, that like a lot of people don't look into. But your university does have like a lot of resources that can help jumpstart your career. And I think like with those trips, I think one of the things is that they want that representation. But I think for speaking from like a student of color like perspective not seeing people of color within those trips kind of make because I don't want to say imposter syndrome but I know like for some people it is that like some people just aren't comfortable going on a trip that's just like fully white people like I'm just Mm -hmm. gonna be honest like that's and that's not like a that's not considered I guess a safe environment for some people because especially like not knowing them like on like a certain type of level so I feel like that's also like a drawback that within those spaces that we face because we because if I don't see myself I'm be like "Mm, is this really for me you know because then it's like okay so what are you doing to make sure that you are getting that representation what are you doing to make sure that we are seeing this stuff you know like so that's just my, that's why I haven't. I think it's something that I'm interested in, but not, yes, your spring break was, London was cool, but I've also London. been. Yeah. How was London? Good. London wow. in it. It was good, um, but the class is like a, a good amount of work. So mm-hmm. I've just been working on that, like, since I got back. I had to do, like, a journal and, like, a podcast, and then I have to put together a map two of like this stuff that I did um but in my opinion I think it was worth it because you know I would have been doing schoolwork anyway so I might as well be doing it and like gotten a trip out of it but okay oh damn I know schoolwork was a part of it <laughs> <laughs> not you thought you were just gonna go to London I just to go to London. I swear I thought Adam was living like that <laughs> good trip good trip that was crazy no but I definitely think everybody should like dip into all of the study what study abroad study away whatever domestically internationally whatever like if you can do it if you can make time in your schedule to do it do it yeah I was kind of bummed out I didn't get to do a study abroad due to COVID uh I wanted to do one my sophomore year or even my I don't think you can do it as a freshman I'm not sure but I wanted to do one my sophomore year but COVID sent us all home so I wasn't able to study abroad but I mean there were there's different opportunities for for you all if you want to get involved into that. Mm-hmm. One of the things actually, so in my honors class um, this week, we had somebody from um, I think they call it Anka, and it's the Office of Nationally Competitive Awards, and everything that basically they work on is basically to find like those types of trips for you whether it's like for the summer for a semester for two weeks and literally they work with you to like perfect 
your like essays, like whatever, like the essay prompts is, like your resume, stuff like that, so that you are like, like they say, like competitive enough to get like those type of scholarships to get. And like you can even get like if you like they have like ones that is like for like tuition and stuff like that. So like, but it's like those are like things that like people like if you don't like look for them, you're not going to find them. So I was like, "Mm, I need to go, you know, make some couple emails because I want some more money. Yeah, a lot of this stuff on campus, there the resources are there. It's just a matter of finding them. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. especially for, I feel like with you know, with African American, male or female, it's it's about finding those different opportunities. Where I feel like some of my counterparts, they're kind of handed those opportunities, or they're, it's more on a, like, it's more given to them. So, I mean, I would definitely say the resources are there, but. It's a lot more digging and, you know, getting involved with different things before you get to those opportunities. Right. Okay. For me, Keisha, I got a question for y'all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not, no, it's not nothing bad, I promise. Um, so, you know, all three of us are um, members of AMSP. Right. Um, and, of course, we specialize in multicultural sports professionals. Um, compared to SASM and also SBA, those are majority white <laughs> um, organizations. So, what led y'all to join AMSP rather than I guess? So, I guess I say S- SBA because SASM is a fraternity. So, you want me to start? Yeah, it? you put me on. So, <laughs> <laughs> I put you on. So, I gotta go first. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I, with all due respect, I love SBA. I, I have a lot of great members. Uh, very well connected with the president and vice president and different members over there and even with the SASM fraternity. But respectfully, I wanted to be with my own kind. Uh, I went out to a couple of the different SBA meetings last year. Uh, I remember they had Jeff Bowles come out and talk to them. And the meeting was cool and all, but I just didn't feel like I was connected as much. I feel like I was on the outside looking in. Like, mm-hmm. again, those different opportunities were there, but I had to do a lot more digging. But I feel like if I was a member or if I was, you know, like an active member, I should be granted the same opportunities. Yeah. And with AMSP, I was kind of introduced to that late as well. But I was introduced to this during a 7-on-7 flag football game and. I had never heard of AMSP, and I was like, this is something really cool. Like, I feel like I can turn this up and, you know, make it more than what it what it ever was or what anybody ever thought it could be. So I just looked at it as an opportunity for me to grow myself and grow others around me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to add on to that, um, Mikey Sean said um, he was talking to me about the uh, organization, and I thought it was a great opportunity for me and him to um, expand it and make it better. So once he told me about it, I did my research. There was barely any research. Like, there was no post, like, no Instagram. Like, it hasn't been activated since, like, 2020. So, like, it's really hard to get some more research about it. But once I did come uh, come across it, um, I'm glad I did. And I think kind of, I guess me and Adam also kind of are in the same boat with, like, SBJ mm-hmm. and BSCC because SBJ is the Society of, ooh, Oh, Society of Professional Journalists. I'm sorry, y'all. 
<laughs> Society of Professional Journalists, um, and it's a national uh, organization, and they have a chapter here. Um, and so it's uh, PRSSA, which is like for like the public relations. Uh, I was gonna say them first, but yeah. Yeah, and um, they're like the public relations side, basically the public relation organization. Um, but I know I just didn't even like with I've. I'm gonna, I will preface with I've never attended a SBJ meeting or a PRSSA meeting. One, I'm not P- PR, so that's not my track. But with SBJ, I don't. I just it just didn't like it. It didn't appeal um, to me. So I feel like that in classes because like there are so few of us. So like yeah, I don't know. But like coming to BSEC and everybody, I feel like we're like a little family. Yeah, and like. You know, me, you, and Layla, like, we have the same goals. So, like, how that translates to class. I feel like it would be differently than, like, if we were in that mm-hmm. because it would just feel like another extension of class where this kind of feels like something I could look forward to and, like, be myself. Yeah, no, I think it's very structured. They are with BSCC. We just kind of, you know, roll with the punches. Um, <laughs> that sounds bad, but we do. But um, not to say that we don't have structure, but I think it was just very much, like, I don't I just I want to be around my people like I don't want to have to just like feel like I'm like you said like it's just like another like extension of class because that's not what I want yeah you know and to your point joy I think you kind of touched on a key point earlier in a podcast where you said like just knowing what's for you Mm -hmm. so I don't know I feel like MSP was just something that was for like me like I didn't want to feel like I was in like intruding on no one else's like territory yeah i want to go into like a a organization like sba where they already got like 50 60 70 members and like a i want to be the vice president or the president you know what i mean rather just start somewhere small and just try to build it up yeah Yeah. and let's be clear Keyshawn and maya definitely been doing the thing with amsp this year Sure. like shout out vp and prez like you're cool bro you're pretty cool. You're pretty <laughs> cool. You, bro. Keep being you. <laughs> but I think um, another thing that's really important, like, when we're talking about sports, um, is, like, the state of black journalism right now. Black sports journalism specifically. We touched on, was it last week that we did sports? Did we did black journalism last week, I think? Yeah. Yeah, we touched on kind of, like, you know, shade room and all of that stuff. And black journalism, how Black journalism isn't necessarily how it's marketed. Black journalism isn't. Ta- I'm going to say how it's marketed. Black journalism isn't necessarily taken as seriously as when you look at like uh, ABC or something like that because of how they portray themselves within like social media realms. Um, but within the black sports journalism, do y'all believe that there is like adequate representation of black sports journalists right now. Are we talking like Stephen A. Smith? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody. I don't know. When I think about, yeah, I mean, to a degree, when I think about, you know, you got Stephen A. Smith, Shannon Sharp, uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Kendrick Perkins, boy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Charles, yeah, Charles Barkley. Like, you got, you have the people that are talking and advocating on our behalf and, you know, they're doing great things, but it's like, Who's next? You know, you got Robert Griffin III, like some younger guys, but for years and years, 
a lot of those peoples on our shows were white. So we're kind of starting to see a change, but I would like to see it progress more as well, for sure. Keep progressing into, you know, towards mm-hmm. 50-50 at least, you know. And I would like to see more more women, yeah, yeah. you know, African-American women in those positions. I agree with you to an extent. And the reason that it's to an extent is because everybody that you named is a former athlete. Facts. You are right. You're correct. Yeah. Facts. Because I don't, you, I don't think anybody. Stephen A. Yeah. I don't think that besides Stephen A, there's anybody up there that went to school for media or journalism or anything like that. Yeah. So I think that's where as a black Sports journalists like looking at like me and Adam. Who did you play? I don't know if you play sports or not, but yeah. So like that's QB one right there. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, like for people who, especially like for me, like for example, like I want to cover football. I ain't never played a lick of football in my life, yeah. but I know how to cover it. Like I can get up there and have the same conversations that they have in on. ESPN on ABC like whatever but it's harder to break into the field when you aren't a like a, a former professional athlete yeah. yeah so that's the only reason I don't I there is representation but the representation is very much skewed to a certain demographic which is former athletes yeah when you look at the people who are like the hosts of like a lot of the shows for like uh college game day like both of them are like nba on tnt mm-hmm. like things like that when you get to like the people who are like the actual hosts and then you have like the anchors on the side a lot of those people are like just white men um or like white women who are just mediating between like a bunch of former a- athletes mm-hmm. instead of like you know someone like joy or like someone like me up there who's like not a professional athlete but you know just knows the game and like knows what they're talking about yeah uh, and I think that is like a like important point. Like they just kind of like throw like journalists just are we're kind of like thrown you know in there like okay like here like you got five seconds you know to wrap up the show or five seconds to go into the commercial break. We don't we don't sit at the table. No, you're gonna sit me at the table, and that's just point blank period. Yeah. Like because I think like you can I think the thing that like sports needs to get away from is that. You don't have to be an athlete to cover sports. Because let's be honest, Kendrick Perkins, why is he, why, why he, why he at the table? That's the NBA champion right there. Okay, but he can't talk. Yeah, oh no, he be talking about some facts. Nah, bro, it's bad. I'm no, it's bad. it's bad. From a see, that's and I'm like, right? You see, you see how you said that? No, Journalist right here, no, that that bad. It's bad. I feel like sometimes they get told to say stuff that they do say for real. That's my opinion, but uh, sometimes it look like they reading off a screen. Yeah, behind. yeah, it does seem a little bit scripted. Yeah, some I, some of the and some of the stuff that they do say definitely is scripted, but also you because most of their shows are quote unquote opinion based shows. Well, at least the one that he sits on. And what's the one he said? I can't even think of the name right now. What the what show that he on? Is he on first take? take. Yeah, he on first take, and. Um, I think that I don't I really because I really want to look into it and see I don't know if they go through media training Hmm. and I really don't think that they do because some of the stuff that they say 
really be, I'd be like, as a journalist, I would never. Like, <laughs> no. Kendrick Perkins is definitely extra bad. Like, I've felt like that, but, like, I know that he's a former player, so it's, like, whatever. They're, yeah. Yeah. And, I'm sh- and they also, most of them, like, Tom Brady, for example. Tom Brady is starting next year for the NFL to, um, to be on their um, production or whatever. I don't know which. I can't remember. I think it's Fox. He's, he's going to be on Fox. And, but he was, like, that he wanted to take after his retirement or whatever. He said he not started until, I think, 2020. It's either 2024 or 2025. I can't remember which season he said he's starting. But I think, like, that all – if they are going to have former athletes um, be on those shows, I do feel like they need to go through media training because you can't just get up there and just say anything. And that's what they be doing. That's a fact. Yo, look at Paul Pierce. <laughs> yeah, that's he's finished. <laughs> Bogus records. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. Oh, um, there's a roof of there's just not enough representation elsewhere besides those former athletes in those roles. Um, I don't. But my my question would be: How do we fix it? How do we move forward? How do we? You know, it's been this way for so long. How do you break into like such a niche industry? Until you get somebody in those head offices who we don't see on them screens that is willing to take that approach, I don't know if it's going to happen. And I think it could happen. I definitely think it's a possibility. Um, Because I think there are change makers within the black sports journalism world that are not former athletes that get the recognition, but it's very minuscule. It's very small. Like, there's not a lot of us. And I think also people are just complacent. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are just like, oh, well, like, they're a former athlete. Like, they know what they're talking about, you know? Like, they they played the game. So that should be enough for them to be qualified to cover the show when – yeah, you can play the game, but did you really read the play right? Right. Yeah. And I, I think some like a lot of people are scared to, you know, they're scared of how they will be portrayed or judged if they were to try to step up to the plate and, you know, change that uh, endless cycle of, uh, you know, of who is representing and uh, doing sports podcasts and like journalists. A lot of people are scared because, you know, it's kind of a respect thing. Like, we've come to respect uh, the former athletes and say, like, like how y'all are saying right now, like, they played sports, so they know what they're talking about. Like, no, you don't. You don't always know what you're talking about. Just because you played a sport doesn't mean you should be given a $100 million deal to talk about sports. Right. I think also a lot of those players also, like, come out of, their job and go straight into like whatever like those contracts be signed like years in advance for when they like retire because most of them like they know like when they ready to like get out the league or whatever mainly because they be free agents but (laughs) just being honest um but I do agree that like somebody has to just take the leap and like want to be the change but like I think about like people um like Taylor Rooks 
who she has her own podcast, but she's with I can't even think of what Bleacher Report. Yeah, she's with Bleacher Report. Um, Malika, she who hosted the NBA draft. Um, was it two years ago? A year ago? One of them. I can't remember. But like those are like people that as a woman in sports journalism, like, those are, like, the women that, like, I look to who I'm, like, they can, like, make the change. But even, like, when you look, like, at their segments sometimes, like, they are, like, what Adam, like, mentioned. Like, they're all, they're, like, the little, they're not at, like, the main table. Now, granted, like, most, like, sometimes, like, you will see them at that main table. But for the most part, like, you'll see them, or at least, like, um, I can't remember, Malika or Malika. But, um... Like, you'll see them, like, have, like, the little, like, spinoff. Like, they'll do, like, the highlights from, like, the game or whatever, and then they'll, like, go back to the table, and it'll be, like, Stephen A. and whoever, like, talking about, like, the stuff, like, in depth. So I definitely believe that it's possible to have that change, and it's possible to be fixed, but I think it's all about the people that are in those roles wanting to advocate for the people that need to be in those roles. Yeah. Definitely agree. I thought you was going to say something. No, I definitely agree. Facts, 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 facts. Um, another thing we can talk about black journalism is these athletes mm-hmm. and how they are represented within the media. And of course, I think the big story going on right now is Ja Morant. It's a parade inside my city, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That is crazy. Um, but how do y'all feel about Ja Morant and the, his suspension one and also the backlash that he is getting from... Me and Keyshawn kind of talked about this a little bit, but I'm just interested to hear. I'll let you start. I I think it's crazy. I think if any other person did the thing he just did, it wouldn't be as bad. But I understand that John Lorenz is a huge, huge influencer, Mm -hmm. a big role model to younger kids and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, yeah, he made a mistake. He's only 23 with a $200 million contract. So... I mean, anybody our age or his age is going to act a fool. I'm not going to lie to you. But I, def- I definitely don't think it's worth the backlash he's getting right now. But I don't think he's really getting, like, any backlash, though. I feel huh? like he just came You back. don't think so? Not that much. I feel like you think that he, about So you saying it wasn't enough? Day. Yeah, but they talking about, oh, he's getting help. This is what he got to do to be better. <laughs> that man it's was in. Like, no. That man no. checked into a facility for, like, a week. I don't even think he did that for I don't even think he did that. I think he, they just recorded him walking. They they hired some uh <laughs> somebody to come, some paparazzi to come out there and record him going in. <laughs> yeah. my, he walked out the back. My problem with this is... It's the constant disrespect of African-American male athletes. Mm-hmm. I don't like how they just, like, the media drags situations yeah, to the fullest extent. Like, they'll keep dragging it months and months and months and weeks and weeks and weeks. Like, y'all got nothing else to talk about. And then it also, like, last week when Jay, Draymond, I don't know, was it, like, 16th technical foul? I don't know, he got suspended for a game. 
that the whole rest of the Warriors game, that's the only thing they had to talk about. Like, mm. it's a whole nother half of basketball mm-hmm. to be played, and only thing y'all can keep going back to is Draymond suspending next game. Only, th- only thing I keep hearing about is John Morant. And, I mean, he's 23. Everyone makes mistakes, you know, but. He's done I, for. True. And I also, you I get it. He's done for? No, no, no. He's oh, definitely no. not done for, but. I like I understand that everyone makes mistakes, but when do we, you know, when do we start to realize that these athletes are human beings? Mm. I feel like way too many times they're not. We justify the rappers for, you know, d- being in different drama and, you know, rapping about different stuff and doing all these drugs and carrying all these guns. But when you look at an athlete, you want a whole different image. You want a whole different – but we got to also understand that we don't know what these people go through on a day-to-day basis. We only know what the media allows us to see mm-hmm. and what these athletes allow us to see. So, yeah, he messed up, but, I mean, let it go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Everyone's too focused on the negative things. Like, even though he did, yeah, he did what he did. Like, let it go. He got, he went to rehab. If he did or if he didn't, you know, he got suspended for eight games without pay. Let it go, you know? I can't lie. The suspension was crazy. I feel like, I feel like it was low-key, like, OD. It was. It was. Like, yeah, I think so. how many other athletes probably go to strip clubs and got guns, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I think, but I think to your point, because me and you talked about this, to your point of, like, the rappers and, like, NBA players, you, I feel like you can't compare them only because you, their popularity is, like, two totally different things. Most rappers, they got, their image is guns and strip clubs and stuff like that. Compared to an NBA player, you are a basketball player, and granted, you have a life outside of that, but I feel like it's low-key, like, kind of, you can, like, Ja Morant and, like, Kanye, right? Like, the, can you separate Ja Morant playing basketball and being a human being compared to can you separate Kanye being an artist from some of the comments that he's made? I mean, I don't think it really hit. When you're talking about Kanye, I mean, I think those, his issues stem from, you know, mental health and different, you know, different other things that he's went through. But, again, going back to my point, I just, we put too much pressure on athletes. I understand that they're making all these Yeah, 100%. We took, we put too much pressure on them to be our role models, like, I don't know, people, I don't know, social media is just, it, it creates an image for our athletes that don't even need to be, you know, like. But one thing I will forever stand on as somebody who who has friends that are athletes who play for D1 schools, I've seen them get their refund checks and go crazy go ballistic. So I can only imagine, like, so you're 20 and you doing that for for, like, what? 200. May, like, 200 <laughs> million dollars. <laughs> like, million. so that's what I'm saying. So if you're 20 and you going crazy over getting maybe, like, a what, I don't even know how much the athletes, like, refund checks be, but they be, like, a couple thousand dollars. 5,000. Yeah, 5,000. Like, if you going crazy and you going buying iPads and every shoe that you can, like, <laughs> Like every F- 
every <laughs> type of thing that you can with your little thousand dollars. Imagine what a twenty year old, a twenty three year old with two hundred million is gonna do. Like, and that's why I forever stand on that athletes when they get to college and they are getting this type of money, and then it, especially like with athletes. College athletes now, like, getting these, like, NIL deals, all athletes should be required to have a financial advisor, yeah. and all of them should be required to have either, A, a social media manager or right. team, or a publicist. Like, because they, like I said, it all goes back to media training. When you are in the spotlight like this, and it's not, like, a good thing, but you're, you are what people are looking at. Especially when you're a young athlete excelling how John ja Morant has been excelling, right. you have to there's certain things that you just can't do. Yeah. True. Unfortunately, but when you when you're in the spotlight like that, people yeah. are you already have a magnifying glass on you, so people are waiting for you to mess up. Mm-hmm. People are waiting for that. So it's like you have to I don't I don't think that he has anybody around him to tell him no. I think everybody around him is playing into the narrative that, oh, like he's this like hard dude from wherever he's from and he wants to keep up that image when somebody needs to be in his ear and needs to tell him no. You can't do that no more. Like unfortunately, like that's not the lifestyle that you can live no more. You're not the young kid in high school in South Carolina anymore. You are a professional NBA player, yeah. and that's just that. <clears throat> you have $200 million and people are waiting for you to mess up, yeah. and you have to control that, and that's just that. Uh, yeah, I think that the suspension was a lot, um, but I do think, like, that wasn't necessarily the right thing, like, for him. I think that, like, I mean, not to speak on him, but, like, a fine or whatever, if you're the team looking at it as, like, that's your franchise player, like, that's the main person in the starting lineup, like, that's all the jerseys that you're selling, um, sort of what sort of image does it send about, like, you know, because a lot of people look up to him. He's, like, a social media all-star. Um, so, like, if he's on there with guns or, like, flashing lasers or whatever, um, it's not necessarily a good look. But I also think that it is um, interesting that because, like, I feel like he's young and black, um, people kind of try to portray him like he's just a thug or things yeah. like that. Yeah. And, like, he kind of just needs to be controlled or, like, put in his place or whatever um, instead of like that, like... I'm not going to lie. Like, if I had all that money, like, I wouldn't have no guns probably, but I would definitely be flashing money and, like, yeah, people would be for saying sure. stuff about oh, 100%. me. 100%. <laughs> and it's, like, that's not necessarily who you are just because of, like, what you show on social media, and it's mm-hmm. not, like, the end of the world because he's doing that at 23. True. and But <clears throat> to me, I feel like the only wrong thing he did was have the gun and go on social media, on live. Because I'll be honest, I don't know about y'all, but I've – been in clubs with some of these athletes before and I mean <laughs> they, for real. they all I mean they all I don't think they don't I think everybody all. goes to a club like I don't think it was nothing wrong with that I think the like you said the main issue definitely was the gun and him being on live yeah True. just the gun I think it was just the gun but you know it's just I would do the same thing but I'm not having <laughs> a rank though so yeah. it's just like a lot of these different athletes do like yeah, they, they, do that they, they do that you know what I mean like Dan I mean Dan has I know you got a friend that just got to the league I'm, I'm yeah. you know like I'm pretty sure you've seen some pretty wild yeah, like sure. parties you know what yeah. I mean like they're not on social media but yeah. they happen like be in the group chat though yeah exactly <laughs> like they happen I mean I heard some pretty crazy stories but I mean everybody go like okay he had a stripper okay he spent yeah. whatever amount of money at the strip club a lot of like 
People with no money do that. Yeah. And then they be broke the next day. He just ain't broke the next day. Like, that's how I feel about it. But I think, like, Keyshawn, like, what you said, like, the portrayal of, like, black men, black athletes specifically within the, like, realm of social media, one of the things that, and it's funny because it happened, was it 20 days ago because his 10-day contract just ended, was, I don't know if y'all remember, but Myers Leonard, he had, he got, he was with the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, he got, he was with the Miami Heat when he got suspended. But he was on Twitch and he was on the live stream and he made a comment, white man, by the way, um, he made a comment that about, it was a, he used a slur. He used a slur and it was offensive to people of the Jewish community. And he ended up being suspended for the rest of the season, and he just came. Was it was it two years? It was either two years ago or last year. I can't remember which one it was. But he ended up um, being suspended from the Miami Heat. He just got picked up by the Bucks, and he had a t at two ten day contracts, and he just signed on for the rest of the season with them. Yeah, he got dragged for real though. I remember when that. No, happened. he did. He got dragged. Yeah, he did. I don't know. I, I don't know. No, the media did him dirty. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. The only t- the only reason that I do it is because I follow his wife on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he got like he was cut like within like a couple hours. <laughs> like, yeah. That video. No, nah, they finished him off. Yeah, oh, it was God. done. Like yeah. he was over with. It was bad. But I'm just saying, like all of that to say, because I I wonder if if John Morant ended up getting suspended, would he be picked back up? Yeah, I don't think that there are a lot of questions, though, about Myers Leonard's character, though. Like, there would be if, like, I don't know, like a Kyrie said something anti-Semitic or, like, something like that. Yeah. I mean, like, he said it, and, like, a lot of people were coming to his defense, like, oh, he was on the game, or, like, he just said it really quick. But at the end of the day, like, the word was still in his vocabulary. Right. Um. And, like, there weren't those questions of, like, who he was as a person or, like, what he says in his personal life. But mm-hmm. when somebody like Kyrie or, like, John Morant does something that people don't agree with, it's kind of that question of, like, who they really are. Can this person be trusted as your franchise player? Things like that. <clears throat> well, people got to understand, though, about Kyrie is Kyrie is going to be Kyrie regardless. Yeah. I don't think there is much that anyone can do or say to Kyrie Thanks. At this point, that can change what he's going to say and what he's going to do. He's not going to do what he doesn't want to do, and he's going to do whatever he wants to do or whatever his, you know, religion allows him to do. So just going back to different situations, bringing up Kyrie uh, with the anti-Semitic and, you know, the whole COVID vaccination incident. I actually talked about this on one of my podcasts for class a couple weeks ago. But this goes back to what I said earlier. People are just, I don't know, a lot of people are too invested on social media and too invested on what these athletes are doing. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I think Kyrie definitely should have, all they wanted him to do was submit a public apology for the things that he said. But I don't know what I'm trying to say here. He ain't doing nothing wrong, bro. he, He reposted... A book, I believe. What was it? I think it was a movie. A movie? Yeah, yeah, it was a movie. A movie. He definitely should have did a public apology. And, I mean, he said he had meant no harm behind it, but to strip all of his things away from him in a matter of, you know, 
a couple of days was, I don't know, it was kind of absurd. I yeah, I think that's crazy for sure. And then how just people just pick and pick and pick on Kyrie for everything he says or does now. Like, mm-hmm. they just say, like, he's a cancer to this team, yeah. that team. He's a traitor, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think at the end of the day, like, people do need to understand that these people are just, like, Hoopers are like at one point they were just high schoolers that ended up going to college and then they're NBA players and like now that they're in that public spotlight like people think that they have the right to like access or like make opinions on their lives so like I heard him on live talking about like people complaining about why he's left places but like at the end of the day he's doing what he feels like is best for him it doesn't really matter it's like I don't know a top player changing AAU teams this is just kind of on a greater yeah. scale and you don't really see like that same backlash when people do that. But now because Kyrie Irving is front, in front of all these people, so many people are invested into the NBA, um, people are questioning his character because he doesn't want to play with so-and-so or he's going to go here. He said this earlier and then switched his mind when it's really his decision. Yeah. I mean, I don't see nothing in the – I didn't see nothing wrong with him not getting a vaccine. I mean, if his religion doesn't allow him to get the vaccination, I mean, what mm-hmm. is he – you know, if he's heavily invested in his religion and, you know, that's what he believes in, I say lead a man alone. Like, he didn't have to, I mean, I don't know. There were there's were statewide rules, though, uh, that everyone in New York had to get the vaccine. But, I don't know, people are just too invested in stuff that have nothing to do with them. And I think that's, like, even just, like, outside of sports. Like, everybody just took serve what yeah. everybody else doing. Like, Worry about yourself. Yeah. Like, I, I be telling people, like, these folks making millions. Yeah. I can't even tell you how many deals I got in my bank account right now. So until I'm on the same caliber as them, I'm not worried. I'm trying to get my money up. Like, and that's just that. But I think I do agree, like, with the whole car, the the whole Kyrie and I people. That was an instant where. People was looking at Kyrie as an athlete and not a person. And I say that because, yes, there was a statewide rule, but for people to want him to basically go against, like, what he believed in just because to play basketball when ain't no telling how much money this man got in his account. Like, if Kyrie didn't want to play another lick of basketball, he don't have to. He doesn't have to. So I think, like, with that – it was definitely, like, people were more concerned with the entertainment that Kyrie Irving brings to them rather than what who Kyrie is as just an individual. Uh, that's how I feel about, like, Ben Simmons. I don't know how y'all feel. I feel like he just got, like, bullied out of playing. Um, OD. And then, like, people are kind of, like, surprised that he doesn't really want to play anymore. Or I'm not going to say he doesn't want to play anymore. I'm not going to speak for him. But, like, he doesn't – he's not the same. Like, he almost has, like, the yips, if y'all know what that is. Like, he just doesn't have it anymore. No confidence. Um, And it's, like, part of that is because, like, I mean, he didn't take a layup or whatever. He played bad in the series. But then, like, the entire world was telling him that he was, like, awful at, like, the one thing that he's devoted his life to. Um, and they kind of expected him to come back the next year and, like, play with that same Philly team while he was getting booed and stuff. Like, I don't understand why people feel like athletes have, like, the obligation to play for them. Yeah, I, that whole Ben Simmons situation, that was that was crazy as well. But, again, this just shows my point again. You got to understand these people are human beings. And a lot of times, like, that athlete versus human being, that – 
that thing can ruin some that that right there can ruin somebody life you know when they're when you talking about their moralities and their their ethics and you know something that they've devoted blood sweat and tears to countless amount of hours countless amount of days you know their whole life to a sport and you tell them basically you either do what we say do or you're not going to play this game anymore we're going to bully you so bad that you're not going to want to play this game anymore but in reality, you you're not the one. You're not like we don't pay them. You know what I mean. The NBA pays them at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Their organization pays them. So fans need to learn how to just be fans. You know. Yeah, I think um, another. I can't remember who it was. It was y'all know from Alabama. Um, and there was it was a University of Alabama uh, player. Um, and. He was talking about um, how, like, this is during, like, you know, segregation, all of that stuff. And um, he was talking about how, like, you know, when he was on the field, they were all for him, chanting his name, all of that stuff. Got off the field, oh, you a, you an N-word, you a B-word, like, all of this stuff. Like, getting treated just like the worst of the worst. So I feel like... I feel like all of that just, like, translates back to, even, like, you can honestly, like, look back to, like, slave times when these, like, we were African-Americans, Africans were used for entertainment of white people. They would dress us up in costumes and put us there. When we were doing that, oh, we were the laughing stock. Like, oh, they were all for it. But after that, oh, you're going back to what you were doing. Like, you're just another slave here. So I feel like all of that kind of, like, translate back. Like, they almost, like, these athletes are looked at like animals. Like, did y'all, there was a picture of Job for his first game back when he came. Um, he wasn't playing, but he was back uh, at the Grizzlies facility. And literally, he was walking out, and, like, there were just, like, eyes on him. And when you, like, look, like, at the people's faces, it looks like they were literally at a zoo exhibit. Like, it looked like they were bringing, like, a freaking lion out of, like, from under the freaking bleachers. Like, it looked ridiculous. And so, I think, like, all of that, like, kind of just, like, translates back. Like, nobody, I feel like People do not look at these. Like, people forget that these athletes are humans. Like, these athletes make the same human mistakes that we make. And until people recognize that, like, these athletes, they're going to, what their mistakes and what they do are going to keep on being in the limelight. But I got another topic um, for y'all. I just want to know y'all's opinion on it. Deion Sanders. I think Dion. I don't really have a problem with what Dion did too much. I don't because, either. Like, I mean, like the facilities at Jackson State are like subpar, and all HBCU football. And he really helped bring attention to that. He brought tons of revenue into yeah. the school. Um, and I don't know, like, what people realistically expect him to do. Like, to be some HBCU like football savior. Like, he can't improve everywhere. Um, he's definitely improved Jackson State more than like where it was before he's like allowed people to see HBCUs as like a route to still get to the league um and then like he also got it at like he wants to coach football he wants to coach power five football and like he got that out of the deal too because he was winning I really don't see what the issue is but I know a lot of people have an issue with him leaving um I have no 
I have no bad things to say about Deion Sanders. Um, he showed what it truly is to be an example of black excellence, in my opinion. He's the epitome of black excellence. He showed and paved the way for a lot of people to come. And he's ap- he's honestly opening doors, more doors than people like really mm-hmm. know about. Something that was very unique about what he did at Jackson State is, even though it was at HBCU, there were white kids on that team. Yeah. People don't understand or know probably that, but he had people and, you know, he had – football players of all races, if you were ready to play and you are good enough to play, he's playing you. It's not about, you know, he don't – he's a real – like he's a genuine person and he understands that these people are human beings. Again, going back to my point, he – I mean, what did, what did people really expect for him to stay at Jackson State his whole life? I mean, he has to elevate. He has kids, you know. He has a whole community behind him and stuff that he has to do as well. And – Another thing that people might not know is he's coached his kids since they were little kids. Yeah. He had a little league team. I'm pretty sure he coached, like, their high school. Yeah, they went to to his high school. Like, there's middle school. Like, he's always coached his sons, and I think that was – I wouldn't be surprised if he wanted – like, if he doesn't coach the NFL team that Shador goes to. You know, he he coached at Jackson State, and not only is it a better opportunity for him at Colorado, but there's a, a better opportunity for his kids as well. You know, like a Division One. What I don't. What division is Colorado They're in? Uh, Pac-12. Pac-12. I mean, who wouldn't want to coach at a Pac-12 school? You know, especially when he said like how like how you were saying. We're we were from the outside looking in, and we didn't understand. We didn't really see what was going on behind the scenes when. He said some of the reasons why he left was because they would sell out games and money's missing and stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And we talk about supporting, you know, black businesses and HBCUs. But when you go to PWI, you don't have to – you're not going to worry about where that money is. You know what I mean? If something is sold out, it's sold out and all the money is there and it's all accounted for, you know. It's different uh, things that the money has to go through and all that. But, like – Little petty stuff like that, it doesn't fly at bigger universities. So, I mean, I don't blame him for leaving. I mean, he got to elevate himself. I was about to say that. The words he used was elevate for. I just feel like that's what he did. So, definitely can't be mad at him. And I heard some things like he used, like, some of his own money to, like, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I did hear that. I can't blame him for, like, you feel like he did what he had to do at Jackson State and his job was done. So, you just got to move on to the next, you feel me? Yeah. I feel like not wanting him to continue to elevate because he is, like, no longer in a quote-unquote black space is selfish. selfish, you know? Like, he did all—because he did a lot for Jackson State. So I feel like to, like, want him to be basically, like, complacent and just be, like, stagnant in his growth as a coach when— He's always said that he wanted to be a Power 5 coach. So to not want him to continue elevating his dreams, it's was kind of like, like you said, like selfish because everybody should be able to grow. And one of the things, um, he was on the Pivot podcast like two weeks ago or whatever, and I had watched the interview. And he talked about like his, 
he was like that his mission, he doesn't feel like his mission on earth is just to elevate black athletes. He feel like his he's supposed to be a support system. He's supposed to be there for all athletes. He's supposed to be able to elevate all of these athletes, not just the black students at HBCUs. And he was like that um, Channing Crowder, he brought up the point about um, how, you know, that people kind of looked at him like that it wasn't, oh, we have, you know, a former NFL player that's a coach. HBCUs have had that before. No, it was because Deion Sanders was there. So everybody put the pressure on Dion to be like this savior for all of HBCU football when that's just not like, no, he can't, like, he can't do that. Like, that's a, like, unrealistic expectation to expect from him. So I definitely, I don't, I 100% support Dion and him moving because, and like you said also, like, his kids, like, he got a, like, he got a family. Like, that's who he got to think about, you know? And, to like throw all of his dreams away just because the world want him to be right. Mr. HBCU football was kind of like that was never his dream. Yeah, if that was the case, he would have you know just he would have stayed there. And people, the stuff that he left behind, I mean, people say he left for the money, which could have been some of the case, but he could have easily seek sought out like some of that like. The, probably the same amount of money. Like, people got to understand, he left behind a six-year deal with ESPN for MEAC and SWAC football. An ESPN deal, which is, you know, that's hard for professional leagues. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. professional leagues are struggling to get a deal with ESPN. When you look at, like, the WNBA for, you know, like, they struggle to get those deals. So for him to get a deal like that and leave it behind, I mean – that's something big right there that people don't – people only – I don't know. A lot of times I just feel like people only love the things that you can do for them. But as soon as you can't – like as soon as you tell them no or as soon as you tell them like you can't do anything for – they just forget everything that you ever did. Yeah. And I think also I feel like Dion also opened up – I feel like he also opened up the door for other like former NFL athletes that – are that have the capability to be coaches because let's be clear everybody that you played in the NFL can't be a coach but I think he definitely opened up that door for them um and I don't know if y'all like kept up with like the Ed Reed situation but I think that one was also that one kind of threw me for a loop also because what school what school I can't even remember what school he was um Bethune Cookman yeah it was Bethune right no they didn't so and I, Bonus. my opinion is that, yeah, it was. My opinion is that he they 100% didn't hire him because of the issues that he brought up. Because I think had he not brought up those issues, then I definitely think that he would be the coach right now. And basically, the board of trustees was basically like, no. But everything, everything that... Every was talking about like on his lives on his social media were real problems. I know people that go to Bethune. I know a football player that goes to Bethune, and everything that Every talked about are real issues that Bethune is facing. So, to I feel like 
to not get him the job because because basically, basically they wanted him to step in and just be a coach. And I think everything just goes back to like him like being a person before he's a um like a coach. Like it just goes back to the whole athletic thing. Like I shouldn't have to be just a football coach. Like I should be able to care about the issues that my athletes are facing, that the students here are facing, that the faculty here is facing. So like to put to be like, oh, you only needed to be a football coach was that was kind of whack from Bethune, honestly. <clears throat> While we're on the topic of athletes, how do y'all feel like our our African American um, athletes are represented on campus? How do you how do y'all feel about that? Like, do y'all feel like they have a good representation? Do they have a good outlook? Are they getting the opportunities that they need to get from you know from the outside looking in? How do y'all feel about that? I mean. Uh, yeah, Dan. I, I was mean, gonna say Dan. You got. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it really. I guess it really just depends on like. I really, I want to say it really just depends on like what type of position you play as well. I'm gonna speak for like the football tennis because I got like, for, like friends on the D line and I f- know like four D linemen I transferred all last year. But like, I know friends on like on the offensive side where like they know the offense. Uh, the offense is good on the team, so they're like making that effort to make opportunity for themselves. But like on the defensive side, it's like. They not getting like the love that they receive, like they want to receive, so like they want to look elsewhere. So I really just feel like it just really just depends like what kind of sport you play. Like uh, like Yaya, like I never yeah. seen a girl mm-hmm. basketball mm-hmm. game, but I always just hear Yaya. She just got thirty game winner stuff nasty. like that. So nasty. Yeah, that girl's so hard. So I just can't lie. And now she's about to transfer. Lie. So it's yeah. like, yeah. and I don't think she had like uh, I feel like she was getting like a lot of support mm-hmm. from like where she was at. She was doing her thing. Yeah. I feel like that's for her squad. But I just feel like. Opportunities that like you get from different places is definitely like different. So I just feel like if you want to bet on yourself, I feel like do that for real. But yeah. I feel like it really just depends like what position you play too for like where yeah. like, the coaches feel about you. I think I just lost my train of thought. Come back to me. I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, okay, I remember now. I think like looking from like an athletic side, I think. Ohio is low-key, like, a stepping stone. Like, I feel like, like like Dan said, like, it's definitely, like, a situation where, like, you can come in and, you know, you can get, like, that NFL offer if you want or, like, looking at, like, Jason and him going to, like, the Clippers and stuff. Like, yeah. those opportunities are there, but they're very, like, minuscule. So I think, like, you have to – like Dan said, like, you have to bet on yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, when coming to OU, like, I think, and, like, if you get the opportunity to come to OU, I think that it's, like, one of them things where it's, like, coming in, like, you can, if if you use the opportunity right, you can get to where you want to go. But sometimes it might take a little extra work. Like, you might have to use all your years of eligibility. Like, you, you might have to. Or you might have to transfer and stuff like that. So I definitely think it's, like, a stepping stone. Um, just to add on that, I think OU is definitely a spotlight. Like, if you come in playing wherever sport you want to play and you're actually very good at it, OU is a spotlight. It's going to attract a lot of attention. Like, yeah. just for example, mm-hmm. Mark Sears, he transferred to Alabama. Mm-hmm. I think they're in the Sweet 16 right now, BVP, transferred to Virginia, March Madness tournament. Like, if you're a hooper here, you're going to get the spotlight. You're going to go where you yeah. want to go yeah. and execute your opportunities. So. And <clears throat> Definitely, you'll you definitely be in a spotlight if, like I said, like Dan said, 
I'm always hearing Yaya name Man, all the way, I all love around. Yaya. And I've talked to her a couple times, but I don't know. I haven't really had too many conversations with her, and you know, like I don't really want to speak on her situation. You know, she she entered the transfer portal today, but today was actually the first day that I actually got to talk to Yaya, like, and have a real like conversation, like a one-on-one conversation, and. Something that, like, in that short period of time, I could just see how much she cares about the game. I'm asking her, like, my first question was to her, like, I didn't even know she entered the transfer portal, but I was just like, they got to get you some help, man. Like, what's yeah. going on? And she yeah. was like, oh, I just entered the transfer portal. And you could see, like, all the energy, like, leave her body when she said that. Because, like, these players want to stay here. They want to play here. Mm-hmm. You know, they got friends that they didn't yeah, build right. connections with. But it's like... We got to get these players some help. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. they can't be the only star player on the team. Like, it's to the point to where we know all every single star player on every team, and then it's like, okay, now who else is on a football team? Who else is on a basketball team? Yeah. Who else is on? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we know those star players, but it's like our other players around them aren't getting that time to shine, or they aren't getting the shine that they deserve as well. And I don't know, probably, in my opinion, I think it takes away from their confidence. And You know what yeah. I mean? Like they probably not playing as good as they should be playing because, you know, they feel like they're not getting no recognition. Yeah. Right. Like, when you put, like, all your energy into something and it's, like, there's, like, just no good outcome, like, that would kill my confidence, too, because it's, like, like, what, okay, like, when am I going to have something to, like, actually, like, just be, like, excited for? And yeah. it's, like, if I'm going out there and, like, having to, like, bust my butt every game and having to, like, carry this team yeah. <laughs> every yeah. game... Yeah. Carrying, like what, like, what, like what am I here for? You know, but I think also like outside of even like sports, I think, I think I've so for my final project for journalism last year, I did a um, my project was based on um, mental health here um, of student athletes at OU, um, and I got to talk to a couple. I talked to um, Tanaya. Stevens T um, from track and field, and then also uh, Caitlin Whittle. She uh, plays field hockey, I believe. And then I also talked to Coach T, um, and and then even like just having like conversations like with athletes outside of that. I think I think OU also needs to do a better job at preparing athletes for the world outside of sports. Because I think I think the percentage is it's like three to five percent. Three to five percent of college athletes end up going pro. Yeah. So the the reality of that situation is that not everybody's gonna go pro. And no shade to anybody that got these majors, but physical education, are you really gonna make a career out of that? In my opinion, they they push these Majors on oh, no, 100%. And I had a I had a conversation actually with um, with Coach T last year. Actually, and I was uh, talk. I can't remember how it was actually at an Ebony Mines meeting, and we were talking about it. And she was telling me how there was a football player who wanted to pursue. Um, it was something. Um, it was a harder major. It was like nursing or like not. It wasn't nursing. It was like it was something in the medical field though. It was like healthcare, something that had to do with healthcare. And 
they were like basically like oh like no you need to choose something you know easier basically like you need to choose something easier basically and I feel like that is I feel like that's setting an athlete up for failure yeah because if you not a part of that three to five percent and you get out of college <clears throat> what are you doing sitting on your mama couch being a bum mm. and that was harsh I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm saying, though, like, you went to college for four, most of them five, six years with your eligibility, used all your eligibility, didn't get anywhere afterwards, and now you back at home because you didn't make anything out of your experience other than being a student athlete. In 10 years, if you didn't make it to the league, nobody's going to care that you were a student athlete. Yeah. That's a fact. <laughs> nobody's going to care. Yeah. I know way too many people who... <clears throat> Are or were student athletes, and it's just like now they have nothing really to fall back on because either A, they dropped out, or B, they finished and they did a major that they really didn't learn a lot or really had no interest in, and they're not really using it at this point. So a lot of them do fall back on stuff like entrepreneurship where you know, it might be something as like starting their own business or working in sports. Um, but it, I don't know, something definitely got to change. Something got to give to where we got to understand, like, these are students and it's student athlete. But what all, all I've been seeing is athlete student. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's more of a job than these, like, our, like, colleagues out here to play their sports. Like, they're they're waking up. I talked to a football player today. He said, we wake up at 5 a.m. and, you know, meetings mm-hmm. start at 6.15 and we practice to 10 in the morning, you know? Like, and then, and go, then to go to class right after that. And then got meetings after that and yeah. got study hall and, you know what I mean? Then eat and then go to sleep and then they do it again the next day. And then also you got to think about, like, travel for games. Think about how much class you're missing. Yeah. Like, you're missing almost some, like, with – when you put that, like, in a perspective, you missing almost, like, a month of classes when you put, like, all of the travel, especially, like, football and basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're missing majority. Like, you missing a good month. In a month, you know how many sections you can cover in, like, a philosophy class? Like, <laughs> any class. <laughs> like, any class. Like, and I remember, like, even, and I think, like, sports management is better than, like, some of, like, the, because I think also, I think for athletes, like, they, um, they can. They need to realize that you can be connected to sports without playing the sport. Yeah. And like, and sports management like gives you that opportunity. Or even like, if you get like a a minor in like business administration, yeah. um, like minor in like marketing or something like that. But I feel like the coaching and like their advisors that they have need to do a better job of like making sure that when they leave out of here, like just how. Like, when I go to my advising meetings, my advisor is like, okay, so are we still on the same steps? Like, what do we need to adjust? What do we need to, you know, fix so that you can be successful after you leave here? Not, okay, you got study hall at from 12 to 1, so you can't schedule no classes within that. I think, I don't know. Too many times these it's too many athletes. I think they're gonna like going pro. Yeah, yeah, all of them think that. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say all of them. Do. Like 
They think they the the one shot. <laughs> All of them think that for sure. But like, you, you ain't. I'm sorry. I'm, I nah, I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say. <clears throat> huh? Huh? What you about to say? <laughs> I was gonna say you and your senior, you and you ain't started the game, but you going pro. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, and it's the I don't know if it's the coaches, if it's their ego, but like, the, the coaches got to do a better job of. I think they should be bringing like you know, some NFL like prospects, scouters or something like that okay. to show these athletes like, you know, early in their career like either okay you going pro or. A lot of these athletes just play for the scholarship nowadays. Like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And from the mm-hmm. athletes I know, like, with the, like I said, the athlete scholar, they just seem like they got the life drained out of them just after playing for, for like, four years. Like, some of them say they don't ever want to see a football or basketball again. Yeah, I just feel like if you're not one and done for, I just feel like, you definitely gotta take the yeah. academic side serious for sure. Yeah, I definitely yeah. think you gotta face reality. Like yeah, for sure. Like Dan said, if you're not one and done, bro, focus or focus on your uh, major. Yeah, like right. definitely have a backup plan. Like if you know you're not going to pro, that's okay. But have a backup plan. Yeah, that's okay. The amount of like athletes I've like asked, so which like, I, cause I have friends that are athletes, and I ask them, so what's your backup plan? There is no backup plan. Well, you need to you need to work on one, baby. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. I just like, feel the ego, though, for sure. Yeah, like, I think it's a lot of athletes' egos too. Like yeah. they don't want to be told the truth. Like they're not going to the next level. And I think also like it's really that's hard. It's really hard being friends with athletes that have that type of mentality. Especially like knowing the statistics. Like I'm a root for you regardless because yeah, you're my friend. Sure. Yeah, for sure. But also as a friend. I'm going to tell you the truth. I got to tell you the truth. <laughs> like, I got to tell you the truth. Like, friend, I love you, and you my dog. But come on, man. Like, come on. Yeah, we got to. Sure. Let's start working. Because cause you, gra- you, graduated, you graduated in May. So let's start Let's start working on, on your plan. And I also <laughs> think it has to do with the friends, too. Like, I think everybody be so, like, yes, man, or yes, girl. Yeah. Like, yeah. Bro, keep doing it. You can do it. Like, nah, you got another year. Keep doing mm-hmm. it. Like, you got a COVID year. Keep doing it. You got it. Like, bro, you got to tell them. Like, <laughs> like, come like, on, no. you're 23, bro. Come on, just cut it right now. Like, like 25. Focus. Come on now. Like, let's, let, like, let's, <laughs> let's get serious. Let you on go. your, you on your fifth degree. Like, like come <laughs> on, <laughs> <Stacey> Bennett. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, not everybody want to. I know some people that like, you know, went the four year route and then like still made it to the league. And yeah. stuff, but I just feel like. You know though, like yeah. you know, like oh, you're that guy, like like it's like Bryce Young, Bryce Young, he graduated. Jalen Hurts, like they yeah. they got their degrees, yeah. but they knew, yeah, they knew, they, they, they knew, they was, they, they was that the real knew, yeah, <laughs> like that's just that, and I think also like with, like we mid American, like also like you got to put that into perspective, yeah. also you know like yeah. like we get like the we Alabama. get we get attention, but we not the SEC, we not the Big Ten, yeah. we ain't Auburn and Alabama and Ohio State and all of them, like. Oh yeah, that's that, that gives me a question for us. Y'all think like if y'all y'all was go like SEC or like ACC, y'all think she gonna have like the same role or like it'll be like. Uh, I think it'll be a. I think it'll be a build-up, like, but yeah. I definitely could see, like, if she goes into that, I could see her, like, towards, like, the end of the season, like, mid-season mm-hmm. or something. She definitely going to have, like, her place. Because yeah. I feel like I feel like y'all, y'all the type of person that she going to dominate and she going to, like, do the work to For dominate, sure. like, regardless of where she at. Like, I don't think, I don't think y'all, y'all the type of person that be like, 
oh, I'm gonna play my role, you know, right. type of, like yeah. person. Yeah. Like I think she gonna be and, like she know she know she got that dog in her and she and it's gonna yeah. come out. I think it would put less pressure on her to have a like one other like dominant yeah. Yeah. player. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, think I feel her game like would expand for, real. for sure. Oh, like how just, like, scoring. for sure. Yeah, definitely. Like how like when Kyrie traded to you know the Mavs, like. Luca, you saw how much pressure was lift, like has been lifted off of Luca now. Like he actually can just play comfortably. Mm-hmm. I feel like she, she, I don't know. It don't seem like she plays so comfortable. You know what I mean? Like yeah. with another dominant player, like she could be like a star player, and then and there'd be another star player. Like now she's just literally the face of our women's basketball. I think like I feel like her, like her, and like another star player give me like Flaje from LSU and what's the other, oh god I'm blanking on her name. Oh down there. For sure. I yeah. yeah, I don't know their names. I, I cannot remember who, what her name is. Like, I'm totally, it's, think it might be like Skylar or something like that. But like, that's like the type of vibes. Like, I feel like they, they would get like they bounce off of each other. Yeah. Like, they both like stars in a sense, and they like both got their strong suits. But like, they support each other. Like with NBA, LSU also just got like a raw dog team this year. So like, yeah. Angel Reese. Yeah, yeah, Angel. Yes, yeah. yes. That's, that's exactly it. what I'm talking about. And she always have a latch done, and I just love that for her. Like, I love her. <laughs> Angel Reese also people don't probably know she get she at the top of the NIL for I want to say maybe male and female basketball players. Yeah. I mean that's crazy. LSU out there killing it, but I mean women's basketball. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if y'all have been keeping up with that NCAA crazy. woman bracket, but no, they going crazy. They've crazy. been hooping, hooping, hooping. It used to be UConn all the time, but now no. yeah, they got some. I was gonna say out there who they got some competition. For sure. Yeah. Kaylin Clark, you oh, know, yeah. like, hey, my, yeah, she, no, she crazy. Hey. Crazy. Triple double. I can't wait to see this final four. Also, like, I'm okay. I'm excited to see it than the men. I ain't going to lie. So, like, with women athletes, though, so do y'all think that, do y'all think that, like, the same, like, energy and hype that's coming from, like, women's basketball, like, this, this like, I want to say, like, the past, like, two, three years, do y'all think that that's going to translate to the WNBA when these women get drafted? It's gonna take some time still. I feel like I, I think it kind of dies down when they go to the league. It starts with the media, really. If yeah. if the WNBA can get the right media deals with the right companies, quote unquote, ESPN, you know, yeah. if they can get those media deals with these major companies, where we can actually see these games instead of like we can see every like. NCAA woman basketball game, you're not going to see a WNBA NBA game on ESPN. If we can get mm-hmm. access to these games, we'll be able to watch them, and I feel like they'll get the recognition that they deserve because we're keeping up with the athletes right now. You know what I mean? Like, I have never been invested in, like, the NCAA women's bracket as I've been this and last year. Yeah. But, it, I mean, they all, it's also a very good amount of talent within those – uh, teams right now. I feel like there's more talent that's about to come up too, and then it's gonna translate to like the WNBA because like I remember growing up, it was just like Maya Moore, like Candace Parker. Yeah, yeah. It would be like in different conferences, so it's like they wasn't like playing each other all the time. So it's like I feel like now it's like teams building like I don't want to say like super teams for real, but it's like two or three players are actually gonna be out there. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, Las Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, the Vegas. Yeah, and the, Liber- <laughs> uh, the Liberty. Yeah, yeah man, they, they got too. squads. Yeah, they got a squad yeah. for sure. Yeah, I really have. I have. I don't want to say high hopes, but I am. I hope that they, because I know like they just signed. Um, 
ESPN just signed. They have a deal. I think they have like it's Los it's Los Angeles. I, they just signed. I want to say five games that are gonna be uh, on ESPN. It may be three. It's three or five games that are gonna be like on ESPN. But it's like dang. Three games out of how many NBA games do we see a, a day? That's how many yeah. games we see in a day yeah. in the NBA. So hopefully it get there. And I I also think that Candace Parker also being um on like sitting on ESPN now also is gonna play a pivotal role within it. Not to put like all the pressure on her, but I think her kind of being quote unquote like the face of WNBA right now, I think that's also going to play a pivotal part. I think also it's not a, pos- a it's not a positive thing, but also I think the Brittany Griner situation is going to play into the WNBA and their viewership as well because people are going to be interested to see her post-Russia, yeah. which is going to be interesting. And I like that's the type of things that, like, as – like a media producer as like somebody that's like signing those contracts, those are the type of things that you have to go into meetings and say. Like not to like you shouldn't be capitalized, like it's certain stuff that, you know, it's not necessarily should be capitalized off of, but that is something that the WNBA could capitalize and like should. So that kinda that that definitely that goes back to our topic when we was talking about the sports journalists. It's just it's a respect thing. Again, um just looking at the representation that, like, the lack of representation or, like, the media showings of, again, like, as we were talking about the African-American journalists, the African-American, or just women in sports, period, they don't have, they don't have a, a good, like, representation. Like, they haven't had, you know, the same media coverage as other people, like, like males have had. Mm-hmm. Oh, I definitely agree, and I think I think right now is the no, I'm not gonna say it, right now is a good time to be an African American woman within the sports room because I feel like that's I each year you kind of see like a like within like five year gaps you kind of see like a different like initiative kind of being like pushed within certain like industries and I feel like right now women in sports is like the one for the sports industry so I feel like that's like something that like if you are a woman that's trying to pursue sports I feel like now is the time to do it because they're looking for us because they need playing I tell everybody playing to the diversity initiative shoot you you need me to meet a quota oh I'll be there (laughs) I'm gonna be there and guess what I'm still gonna get paid for it and I'm still gonna get the same spotlight or whatever that all of these other folks are getting if you need, I 100% I'm going to play into it. If it's going to give me some money, bring on the quota. For sure. <clears throat> Look at Agent Nicole Lynn. I mean, she's the first African-American uh, woman sport agent mm-hmm. that represented Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl. I mean, she's doing great, amazing things. And she's really setting a, uh, like, setting a way for, like you said, I mean, I feel like the time is now for women in sports and to jump into sports and I mean I'm ready to see what Joy what Joy's gonna do she's about to be on ESPN with Candace Parker boy. <laughs> no cap get it get it but I think um no I definitely think that all of that stuff is important I think that I think I think it's not for just not for 
just like women, but I think for African Americans just in general, like it feel like it's our time to like take up the spaces, cause these leagues are majority us. Let's be honest, like yeah. we make up these leagues, so why not represent them as well? And the and cause and the thing that I love about Jalen Hurts, I love Jalen Hurts, my husband. First of all, love that man, my man, my man, my man. But self plug, <laughs> you know, it, call me, call me, reach me if you want to. Okay, sorry, but. <laughs> But, like, one of the things that's, like, interesting about Jalen Hurts' team is his whole team is actually women. Like, his publicist, his social media manager, his accountant, his agent, all of – everybody that's on his team is women. And I just love that. Like, yes, babe, yes, yes, do your thing. Give us the representation that we need. But I think all in all, I think it's time for, you know, African Americans just to take up our space and – to take up the roles that we want. We don't have to wait on the white man to give us those opportunities. It's, now is our time, and we need to take advantage of that. Um, so thanks to AMSP and also the man, Dan, for being here yeah, today absolutely, absolutely. Um, with BSCC. And at the moment, really sure. appreciate y'all. Um, and I think that's it for us today. I think so. Um, so... Thank you for tuning in to At The Moment. Tune in next time to see what's happening at this moment here at OU. We out. Peace.